0: So that's the change I see. It's like she has a, a big purpose, right? It's not just Rosalina, it's she wants to take care of everybody else surrounding her.
1: Like I said in the beginning, right? She's a strong, you know, fierce person, doesn't like to lose, right? So the fact that she's here and she's taking control of, of her life and trying to do things that she has a passion for makes me happy.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to season two. This is Shauna and this is Rosalina and we're your hosts for Too Young for This Shit podcast. This podcast is not just about boobs, but a journey with cancer. We are young millennials open about giving you a raw and unfiltered look into our lives. We are in no way medical professionals, nor are we offering medical advice. Any medical references are cited directly from public websites or from our personal diagnosis. Some topics and stories may be triggering to those who are fighting, have fought, or have loved someone with cancer. Hey, everyone. This is Rosalina. And this is Shauna. Hi, guys. I am excited to welcome my brothers. I have two older brothers to our podcast. George is five years older than me and then my other brother is three years older so i am so excited to bring them on they've been listening to every episode of season one so they're such a fan of of ours but thank you so much for doing this you guys welcome to our podcast
0: hey everyone hey how's it going? Happy to be here. Yeah, excited to be on. I mean, it's a pleasure. I mean, this it's it's like you know, from listening to now being part of it is uh, it's awesome.
3: It's so nice to to have you guys here. You were you know brought up multiple times in season one throughout you know Rosalina's story. So it's really nice to to have you guys here today.
1: Yeah, thank definitely thank you for having us, and and look forward to um, this this episode.
2: Yeah, perfect. But before we get into like my cancer diagnosis, the deep shit here, let's get the listeners to know who you are. So George, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Uh, Hello, everyone. My name is George Felipe. I'm uh, 34 years young. I'm the oldest of the of the siblings, uh, me, Rosalina and Herota Carlos. I am on the East Coast uh, working as a project engineer for a company here in Jersey. And I'm pretty athletic and active. I, fun fact about me is I, I love running and doing obstacle course races. One thing I've done in the past I'm pretty proud of is I ran this uh, doping challenge race in Walt Disney World, Florida, where I ran almost 50 miles in, in four days. So that's something that I always go back to when I'm ever struggling, which something that I've accomplished in the past that it makes me proud to say
2: yeah I would say it was definitely cool to see when George put up like photos or even videos on IG or even like our family chat too it'll be so cool and then we'll be like rooting for you as well so
3: yeah that's amazing 50 miles would have probably put me in it 50 miles would have yeah. probably put me in a coffee. <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> not gonna lie I
3: don't know if I could have done
2: it
0: that's why they call it a dopey challenge I, I definitely
2: <laughs> felt dopey yeah <laughs> Carlos give us a brief intro about yourself.
0: Hello, everyone. My name is Roberto Carlos. I'm 31 years young, as George says. <laughs> and you know it's, it's probably tough to follow up what george said because i i've never ran anything that far but i'm the middle child aka the forgotten child i'm someone who enjoys being active you know eating good food i love sports especially baseball i love learning from others and just being around friends and family and i think the probably the most interesting thing about me is that i like to sing in the shower so like every now and then i'll have concerts my own private concerts where you know I'm pretty much my OD fan yeah, there, but it's your moment to, to sing in the shower. And also I do that in the car as well. So if you ever catch me, uh, you know, driving around Jersey <laughs> singing, you know that, you know, I'm performing a concert. So <laughs>
3: it's like American Idol, exactly.
0: <laughs> American Idol
3: shower edition.
2: <laughs> when we were like kids, we had this karaoke game on Xbox. And it would be such like a competition between <laughs> us three and Carlos always wins because <laughs> he hits the notes. So definitely the better singer out of me and George, for sure. George,
3: in your own words, how would you describe who Rosalina is?
1: I mean, when whenever I think about my sister, you know, when you first meet her, she's always, you know, positive minded, always smiling, loving. She likes to be goofy. She likes playing pranks on on people, especially my parents. Very playful way. She loves being with the family. Loves being independent, but she also doesn't like to lose. And she's very fierce and, and, and strong-minded person. You know, she's always you know every time you she enters a room, you know, she's the person that you want to be around with. Um, that's so sweet. Just because of the what she brings, what she brings <laughs> to the table. Wow, oh,
2: yeah,
1: I think we're both gonna be crying so really at nice. some point in this podcast.
3: <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's so funny you mentioned about the pranks. I mean, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I do that every time I go <laughs> home during Christmas. It's like my time to shine, <laughs> to prank, my, <laughs> to prank my parents. It never <laughs> fails. I love that. <laughs>
3: Roberto, how would you describe Rosalina?
0: Just like George mentioned, you know, she's very strong-minded, something that uh, I admire of her and even from a young age. Um, she's always been that way, and she's a go-getter. So if she wants to do something, she she goes out and do it. George mentioned about the pranks, but you know she loves slash, loves slap, and oddly enough, she enjoys watching scary movies, even though they freak her out. So like, I never understood that, and it's she still does that. So, uh, but but yeah, she's very she's someone who's very passionate about her interests, and you know you can tell. I mean. Right here, what we're doing now, she's very passionate about all this. So she's definitely someone, someone I I look up to, even though, you know, I am her older brother, but what she's doing and, you know, the things that she's done over the years, you know, it's truly inspiring.
3: Definitely, I need to hear about these pranks, Rosalina. We're going to have to have a conversation later.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Some of them are pretty bad, but (laughs) actually, it's it's so funny. Uh, I do enjoy scary movies and scary things. I just like to get scared. Even though (laughs) I probably won't be able to sleep at night, but just like the the feeling of being
0: I'm the
3: complete opposite. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. <laughs> Roberta, do, would you say you and Rosalina are very close? Like what's your relationship like? I would
0: say it's an interesting one. Growing up, you would say that we weren't close. We had our differences and you know, we didn't connect. And that's typical, right with siblings, you know, you haven't gone through life and you haven't really understood things in general. But that quickly changed as we got older and going through the different phases of life. And you know, I could pick up a phone now and we can talk for hours. We don't, text or call each other weekly basis. But I would say it's, it's, you know, to the point where, you know, we can connect whenever we're together. I value it every time I have um, with her. And, you know, it's, even though she may not know it, but I truly care when, you know, we, we do talk and we have our moments together.
3: That's so nice. And George, what's your relationship like with Rosalina? Are you also Super close.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess since she was born, really, uh, we've always had a, a closer relationship. Being the oldest, you know, always uh, one thing about me is is I, re- I care a lot about my siblings. You know, ever since she was born, really, we we've had a close relationship, and it just continued that way. Things have changed as we've got older because she's she's moved far away, but the long distance relationship, we still try to attain communication. And, you know, whenever we, we call each other, it's like, we just pick up where we left off and we like to share advice and, and life events. So you know, She leans on me a lot for, you know, advice and, or just, you know, just some feedback and or someone to lean on. And I think she got this for me, but I also love messing around and doing uh, pranks on people. So uh, you know, whenever she comes visit, sometimes I'll, I'll do some pranks on her as well.
2: When we were kids, I would like go upstairs and I will like call George and be like, George, where are you? <laughs> and then he will answer. And then I have to go into every room to find where he's at and he will get me every time like he'll feed like new spots to hide and freak me out it's it's so funny i get so <laughs> scared i'm like george don't do this to me <laughs> not right now
1: I, I used to be like laying in the bed and like i hear a voice and i like i'll quickly like jump up and like find somewhere to hide just just because i know That's she's gonna so be find, trying to find me
3: i am also the oldest and i totally understand that being like a firstborn and like that fierce, fierce love that you have for your siblings and like that protectiveness. And I feel that with you, I like resonate the same thing with my, with my family. So I don't know if that's a, that's definitely a firstborn thing. I think so. For sure. Yeah. yeah. In the beginning of Rosalina's cancer diagnosis, George, after discovering your sister had cancer, what was on your mind? What were you feeling?
1: Yeah. So when I first heard the news, I was, I was in shock. I was definitely in disbelief. You know, cause when she called me, she was, she was crying and didn't know what was going on. But then when she, once she told me, it was just like, this, this can't be real, right? Like, how can this happen to my sister? It's unheard of, right? That, you know, very small percentage, at least what I thought at the time, very small percentage people like get sick like that at a young age, right? Especially when, you know, she's been healthy, you know, for, you know, up to that point. In the back of my mind, while that was happening, I was also thinking about how can I be supportive of my sister? Right. And be a, like, again, being, I think it's the oldest sibling syndrome is that, you know, I can be a pillar of strength for her. Right. I want to be there for her. I'm not going to lie. I, I was emotional. You know, I, I tend to reserve my emotions, but I was um, emotional. And in in, this, in my mind, I was just like thinking like, you know, my sister needs me. I need to be supportive in this next phase of, of her life in her journey. And I was also thinking like, I didn't want to wor- add to worries too, right? I wanted to find ways to be supportive, but not make the situation worse, right? Or, or stress her out. So um, that's kind of like the first thoughts in my mind was just going around just everything from emotionally how reacting at that moment to, all right, like, what can I do to help her in this next phase of her journey?
3: Roberto, what was on your mind when you found out Rosalina had breast cancer? And how did you deal with with hearing that sort of news?
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I was in shock. My mind was spinning. My initial reaction was because it was very limited. You know, you hear the word cancer, you think death. It was tough to hear it. And I was in disbelief. I found out when my sister called my mom, so I didn't hear it directly from her. So, But even leading up to that, I remember the week before, my sister told my mom, I want to call you because I have to tell you about my doctor's exams. And, you know, at that point, I was thinking, I was like, Why is my sister, you know, what's, you know, what's going on? Like something's up because my sister is very private. And I don't remember her sharing any medical information to my mom like that. When I heard about it from my mom, you know, my heart was racing. It was just very hard to concentrate with work. I was working from home. Currently at my sister's room, you know, her presence is here. It was truly hard to, to kind of handle the news. And it took me some time to collect my thoughts and eventually, you know, text her and say, yeah, hey, I, I want to call. I want to talk because you know now I wanted to face reality, right? In terms of calling her and, and seeing how she's doing, but it was truly hard. And you know, thankfully, my girlfriend was there to support me. And yeah, I just didn't know what what to do. So yeah, it was it was tough. But once I you know picked up the phone, I was ready to have the conversation. Um, just like George said, I was ready to be positive and provide her the support. We weren't always the closest, but to know that I have her back. And, you know, we could look back and eventually say, wow, we went through some crazy times. And this was probably the most difficult time. But you know, I wanted to be there for her and and really truly tell her that that I love her. And, you know, I wish I was there to give her a hug. So yeah, it was tough.
3: What was the most like challenging part of this journey? Rosalina's diagnosis?
0: For you, it's just not being there, being there to give her a visit. She you know she lives at the time she was in Seattle, and you know moved to California and give her a hug. You know we would FaceTime each other, and not being able to see her was tough. I was also you know surrounded in an environment where living at home, my mom is a very emotional person, and you know every day was she was burst out into tears, crying, and you know there was no way escaping. Um, you know this whole reality and. Yeah, it was it was truly just tough to, to be, you know, far away and not be there for her. And eventually I did get a chance to, you know, of course, be there for her when I went to visit for her. But waiting and waiting and waiting to, to eventually be able to go and see her was, was tough.
2: My mom is a very emotional person. I can't even imagine being in the same room in the same household as her. 'Cause she's definitely someone who doesn't hold back her emotions. I I totally feel you on that, Rata
3: Yeah, it's definitely hard to have to regulate not only your own emotions, but somebody else's. So that that's very difficult, I can imagine.
1: Yeah, and that's was part of my challenge too, is of course my brother was seeing this, you know, firsthand in, you know, living with my mom, but from a distance, right, my mom will call me and you know, she just be bursting in tears and and saying, you know, you know, my daughter, my daughter, why did this happen to my daughter? And you know, I kept trying to like, you know, console her and, and trying to say like, listen, like, you know, my sister is not like anybody else, right? She's like, I keep going back to the fact that she's strong, right? She's very positive mind. Like, we're gonna get through this, right? We're family, right? We, you know, this family, you know, we we tend to stick together, you know, to thick it thin, and and we're we're gonna continue doing that, right? For as long as it takes, right? But trying to manage those emotions and try to like have her, you know, be controlled and, and focused on like, you know, my sister needs a support system. And like my brother said, you know, I think the biggest thing is long distance. You know, we were opposite side of the coast. I'm not able to like have that physical connection with, with her and, and console her during this during this time. It was tough. But, you know, at the same time, we we spoke on the phone a lot. I did research trying to like keep up with what this whole journey was about. Also, that uh, I wish I was able to do was you know, be there all the time with her, right? Or, or have her be with me in my house, taking care of her, right? Because like I'm like, I'll, I'll take care of everything. Don't worry about anything. Just focus on what you're going through and I want to take care of everything else. But I, I didn't have a chance to do that, right? Until I went to visit her later on in California.
2: George and I had the conversation of, why don't you do chemotherapy in New Jersey? And so there was a conversation happening along those lines. And I said, well, like <laughs> according to cancer news that shows you like top best cancer hospitals and New Jersey obviously wasn't one of them. Like the best one was in New York. And so I said to George, we're going to drive an hour to New York each time. Like that's just excessive to me. That's a lot. I also felt like if I would have done that, I would have wept." backwards with my life. And I didn't necessarily want to do that. Also, I think it would be tough because it's like George would want me to be at his house. But my mom would be like, we need to switch off like she needs to be in my house this weekend. And then George would have me the the other weekend. And I think it would be a lot for me to switch off. So at the end of it, I decided not to do that. But that was a conversation that we had.
3: Yeah, logistically, that sounds like it would be a lot. And in, like, a situation where you're already emotionally going through a lot, I I don't know if I could have, I don't know if I would have done it either, to be completely honest with you, Rosalina. How did you both deal with, like, family members asking you about Rosalina's health? And, you know, I'm sure that you guys were both speaking to Rosalina on different levels, like in your mom asking you what's going on as well, like George, like, how did you deal with it? Did you keep things kind of like on the down low? Or was Rosalina comfortable enough for you guys to kind of spread that information?
1: In the beginning, I, I deflected most most of the time. To those questions, I usually kept it very, my responses very brief. But it was also because this is not my journey, right? This is Rosalina's journey. And even though she's shared a lot with me, I didn't want to share something that she possibly did not want to share yet with others. You know, there was a, a right time later on for that, but in the beginning, it just wasn't my place. I usually kept my my responses very brief. In a broader sense, we are a big family, and not everybody has a close relationship with Rosalina. I entertained questions from those that were right. that were genuine and not and that wasn't just like a check off a list.
3: Right. And Roberto, how did you deal with having to tell? family
0: members. I'm like the same as George, where like, it was my sister's journey to tell in the beginning, I didn't really know what was going on. there was a lot of ifs. And I also didn't feel comfortable talking about it to people. You know, it was one of those things where like after time, you know, there was more of an understanding of what was going on. And especially her going through chemo. That's when for me, like I started answering questions in terms of, yes, she's doing good. It also was was relieving to hear them ask because it was it let me know that she was on their minds because I understand from, you know, from their standpoint of like, what do I say? What do I do? You know, do I reach out to her? And I said to them, like text her, she would really appreciate it. And, you know, hopefully they did reach out to her and directly because, you know, it's one of those things where you've never been through a situation like that before. You don't really know how to comfort the person. And sometimes I'm the person who maybe thinks, hey, let me just let the person have their space. But honestly, sometimes person doesn't know like, hey, you're thinking about them. And you know, by just texting them and saying, hey, thinking about you, like, that's what I started doing myself. Because like I mentioned earlier, you know, me and my sister, we weren't really texting on a weekly basis and stuff. But I made sure to let her know that I was thinking about her.
3: Absolutely. A lot of people don't know what to say when somebody is diagnosed with cancer or like with anything really I feel like a lot of people use family members as like buffers as to what do I say? How's she doing? Is it okay? And I know my siblings got a lot of that. So, um, yeah, like just being able to say, yeah, like text her, like she would love to receive a text from you just with that information is, yeah, it's nice to, and it's also when you first being diagnosed, like you don't want to be like bombarded with like people texting or calling or like those like heavy emotions, like, you know, people really upset and crying when you tell them and it's, it can be really heavy. And siblings can bear the, the, you know, the bear, the brunt of that heaviness, you know, cause a lot of people don't want to go directly to that person. So yeah, that could be a lot.
1: Right. Right. It gets, also gets lost in translation when all you do is use your family members or siblings as the buffer. And, you know, cause you kind of respond like, yeah, she's, she's doing all right. Or, you know, she's hanging in there or whatever the response is. And, you know, sometimes that doesn't get reciprocated to back to Rosalina, right? Cause, Maybe it's just in that moment, we just forgot, right? Um, whenever we, we would talk to her. So like, you know, that, that gets lost. So sometimes, maybe not the beginning, but later on, it's always good to just directly text her, right? Let her know that you're thinking about her, right? Because I'm not gonna go to my sister and say, All right, here's all right. the people that texted me this week. See how you're doing? Like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> right?
3: <laughs> I'd say yes and no. Like, I don't know, if Rosalina, if you feel the same way, like, you know, I think when you're trying to make hard decisions and you're, I mean, I found myself like trying to figure out weighing treatment options and all of this, like, I didn't want to be bombarded like at certain moments. So I kind of liked when my partner and my siblings, you know, kind of people were texting them being like, is she okay? You know, like checking in from like a distance for sure.
0: I was going say, and, and t- it's just, I mean, and you can answer both of you can answer this. It's just a different feeling, you know, when you hear it directly from the person. Like, you know, you, hearing the messenger, you know, yes, it's great. But like hearing the actual person reach out to you, you know, I, I know it means the world. So yes,
2: I agree. I agree with Carlos in the beginning of the diagnosis. Like you don't want to be bombarded with all these questions. But once I did the surgery and once I did chemotherapy and radiation, those were the times where people could text me and, and ask me how I was doing. And I wanted people to know how I'm doing. One thing that I did do when I felt like I was ready to tell my cousins, cause we, we all have like a group chat together. When I was ready to tell them I had a date for my surgery. So I just decided to do a mass text and let them know what was happening. Also put in like, I'm having my surgery, this date. So they know that like, yes, I have cancer, but it's curable in the long run. I'll be fine for now (laughs) in a way, you know, so I definitely try to do that just so they can hear it from me. But another thing that I did do is, especially with my close cousins, like Liz and Marlene, I I let them know way in advance. Hey, I have cancer and I just want to let you guys know because like I didn't want them to hear it from other people. It was really important for me to have them hear from me. And that was like the same thing with my other two cousins from my dad's side too, Brenda and Laura Lee. Like it was important for, for them to hear it from me.
3: Now you have expressed like how big your family is. You guys have a ton of cousins. And I mean, my dad's side is is very big. I know what that's like. Is health and like cancer talked about in your family? Uh, I know Rosalina said you guys have a cousin who's a doctor, but like, is this something that was discussed? Or do you talk about doctor's appointments? Roberto, you thought cancer was a death sentence?
0: It wasn't something where, you know, we talk about health in terms of weight loss, you know, not eating sugars or too much fried food. And you know, the very general American diet in terms of cancer or any diagnosis like that. No, because something that hasn't happened. And fortunately, you know, my sister is now becoming one of the many because now we've we're starting to have a couple people who, you know, unfortunately had cancer. So now it's becoming a topic of discussion.
3: And George, do you feel like your family talked about health and cancer?
1: Yeah, it's like kind of like an an afterthought. I think again, it's when people think cancer people automatically associated with death and that it only happens to older people. I think that because we have associated with death, it's just like a very sensitive topic. No one wants to talk about that. These are the type of conversations we need to have more of, right? We need to be more open about it, right? We need to know, like, in, and not just cancer, just in general, what happens, something happens to me. You know, we need to be open-minded and say like, well, what are we gonna do, right? Because we don't wanna get in this situation which just happened, right? Where we were just completely shocked, right? We don't know what to do. We're like, oh my God, this is, you know, cancers the death sentence. What are we gonna? How are we gonna handle this? What are we gonna do? I, I just hope that my family takes it as a lesson, learn, and talk about it more. Be open minded about having these conversations because, again, we are resources, right? We are tools. We need to share our experiences so that we are better prepared for, you know, God forbid something happens to somebody else in our family. But if it does happen, that we're prepared for it.
3: Absolutely. And do you also feel from like a cultural standpoint too? It's not talked about. You guys are Hispanic. That's just not something that is. Talked about, like everything is kind of very private.
1: That's exactly it. It's definitely culturally, you know, based, and we're all very private. We don't speak about our health or our experiences until after it has happened.
0: It's a shame that we don't talk about it. We wait until things happen. Yeah, you can never prepare for it. I mean, I'm sorry, George, you know, you can never prepare for it, but at least be more, I guess, positive in terms of knowing a plan of attack. I truly hope that, you know, eventually we will start talking about whether it's cancer or whether it's anything else inter- related to health.
1: When I said prepare for it, um, just to clarify, I meant more of like technology has advanced since 100 years ago, right? So like, there's better opportunity for us to live a life, relying on technology, relying on just the, the support system that we have, be able to be prepared when something like that happens.
3: George, what was it like taking your sister to the hospital for her mastectomy surgery?
1: Leading up to that, when we were getting ready to leave, when I saw she was very emotional, distraught, you know, at that moment, I, I felt that I had made the right decision to go with her because of COVID, only one person was allowed to go up in the, in the hospital. So if I had went, I was just gonna be just in the car or, or just hanging around. But when I saw her in that morning, going through the motions, you know, nervous, fidgety, made the right choice to just go with her and Brian. And I remember telling him like, listen, like you're doing this for your health. You know, this wasn't a routine surgery. Right. This was a life changing surgery, and, and I understood what she was going through. Being nervous about this whole process that she, you know, this journey that she was about to go on, right? Even if I wasn't allowed in the hospital, I was just there, you know, there spiritually emotionally with her. While I was waiting outside the hospital, they had like a little uh, benches, and I was just like talking to myself and just thinking about positive thoughts and you know, a positive outcome of a surgery. And also like thinking like when she gets out, what can we do to make her feel better?
2: Having your brother there is completely different than like your partner. It's like a different feeling and like a different experience. I had to do this all over again, which I don't. But if I did, I would have chosen George to be there with me because I feel he would have comforted me more than Brian. Not to say that Brian didn't, but you know, it's different.
3: We all have people that can be there for us in different moments. Like, you know, I for your emotional needs, I think there's different people that fulfill that. And yeah, George yes, might have
2: exactly been that
3: person for you in that moment.
2: <laughs> George is that person for me. So George right. and his wife Abby, it was the best thing that they could have ever done for me was like come and like be there for me. It's like really nice to have company. And especially company that you feel super comfortable with. I'm definitely like really grateful and thankful for George and Abby that they were able to come and be here for me. That was like the best thing that you guys could have ever done.
3: Now, I know, Roberta, you didn't make it to Rosalina's mastectomy surgery, but you both planned a trip to LA to visit her for her final chemo treatment. What was the hardest part of going to see her for the last chemo?
0: Because I missed the first... Part of you know the surgery and wasn't there to to be part of you know the other sessions. Now, this meant the world to me to finally be able to go. And days leading up to it, you know, it was there was a lot of you know emotions. Once I landed and I finally was able to see her, you know, it was, it was awesome. It's funny the chemo treatment; you are only allowed to have one person there. So I was waiting in the waiting room pretty much all morning. So again, wondering what's going on, not knowing you know how she's doing, and the anticipation of finally being able to see her and. I was able to see her in the afternoon, I believe she was cold capping at the time, the moment that I really, you know, and I still remember, and thankfully, we were able to capture is the ringing of the bell. Yeah, it was truly, um, it it was great. It's one of those moments where like, I was just so proud for her.
3: Yeah, I mean, you missed the medicine part, but you got to see her sitting in a chair. Like, was it what you expected it to be? Or was it different?
0: It was all foreign to me. Yeah, it was odd. It was just like, they knew what they needed to do. And uh, but at the same time, you like, you know, as someone who's never gone through anything like that, and it's like, wow, like these people are just like really going in there and, and just like taking the, these treatments. Like, yep, this is it. This is all I have to do. You know, it was crazy to see how normal they reacted to all these things.
3: You're just like in one facility with multiple people just sitting there basically fighting for their lives. Yeah, it is. You just, and I think there's like a level of, You know, not acceptance, but this is my life and people just go in there and they do what they got to do. And it's it's different. It was different than what I thought it was going to be walking in. I thought I was going to make friends at chemo. (laughs) (laughs) Like, truly. I was like, oh, I'm going to meet some friends. Like, yeah, I was I felt like very lied to. So, right. You even brought card games too. Yeah. You you brought those. Yeah. I was like, I'm I'm making friends at chemo. Yeah. Well, because I watch a show and they play, they had a group of people that play cards and I love playing cards. I was like, yes, I'm going to have a chemo gang. Like, no, it didn't happen. And George, what was it like seeing your sister in that chair?
1: This was tough for me. For some reason, when I thought about chemo, I thought of more of like, you're in a, in a CAT scan type of like, you know, environment. And you're just like laying flat and like you're hooked up on something, but like in this big room, right? And you'll like see her behind a glass. That's what I, I kind of thought about it for, for some yeah. reason. But when I saw her mm-hmm. and just like being hooked up on all these IV and the medication, and I kind of felt like, like she was kind of like strapped down. You can't just get up and move whatever you want. That was tough for me because like at that moment, I kind of wanted to like swap places with her and take the pain away from her. I will say that when she was done, that was a milestone for us. One of many firsts. We were just so excited, like my brother said, you know, that she finished her last chemo and, and we got to celebrate these small wins, right? Even though we knew that she was moving on to radiation therapy, but these are small wins and we got to take it.
3: Right. It was like one chapter done, like one part done.
1: One chapter done. Exactly.
2: I was looking forward to completing chemotherapy, but also like pleading it with my brothers and my sister-in-law too, because she also came as well. I remember feeling very defeated with my fifth infusion. And I told Brian, I was like, why I'm going to do the last one? What, like, what for? Like, I just don't even see a reason to do that. Um, but I think what like gave me the strength is knowing that my brothers will be here. And it's like, okay, I'm going to do this because like, my brothers will have my back and will be here with me. I am definitely like super grateful to have my brothers be there for my last one. And also what was really nice is that Brian went to hang out with his friends in DC. So I was able to have like the whole house to myself and just hang out with my brothers and Abby And that was really nice. Another thing that I really liked was George was like, you know, you're gonna come with me to New Jersey just so like he could take care of me. We stayed here in Los Angeles for a week and then the next week we flew to New Jersey so I could spend the rest of my time with George and Abby and and my parents and the gallows as well. That whole month was what I needed. I really needed that. I needed some family time for sure.
3: Now, George, you and your wife Abby went to visit Rosalina twice. What was it like coming for those periods? And like, how did you see Rosalina coping?
1: We, you know, wanted to be there for her. But we were also trying to think of like, all different ways to make her feel comfortable, right? And and not be stressed about, you know, the simple things making meals, right? Give you her space to, you know, rest and, and take naps when she wanted to. And not worry about doing things around the house, including, you know, our dog nephew, Louie. Me and my wife spoke before the trip. We're like, all right, we got to, our goal is to make her feel comfortable and make sure she's healing, right? That's the most important thing. We want to make sure she's healing. She wasn't the same person we we knew before cancer um, or, or, you know, the treatments. You know, she took a lot of naps, you know, wanted to stay home, you know, lay down. You know, sometimes we felt like she was like quiet or tired all the time. You know, joked very little, which was understandable. We were there just to make her life simple, right? Whatever it is, we were there to to help her.
3: That's so nice of you guys. We'll have to get Abby on here too, maybe next season.
1: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Now, Roberto, have you seen like a change in your sister since, you know, being diagnosed, going through treatment, and now being done with treatment?
0: I will say, I mean... Her personality is still the same, but she has changed in terms of opening up and bringing awareness. What we're doing here with the podcast before she was just like me and my brother. We're very private. Um, we don't really share too much. Um, and the reels that you guys see on social media, you know, I'm not surprised by those things. But you know, she used to dance and do these things. You know, we would see them, you know, privately. But to see her actually publicly post these and show her. Who she really is—it's—it's it's wonderful. It's—it's it's great. It's and like you know, that's—it's inspiring to see you know what she's like you know passionate about and what she wants to do. So that's the change I see. It's like she has a, a big purpose, right? It's not just Rosalina. It's she wants to take care of everybody else surrounding her, and you know, publicly, right? And that's something where you know I, that's the change that I see, and, and I'm very proud of that change that she's you know taking those steps.
3: And now that you see her, you know. It's on social media. It's we have a podcast. She's talking about it. Like, do you find it difficult to talk to her about her experience, or like when it comes just like to you and her, do you feel like she's open about talking about everything, and you feel comfortable enough to ask those questions?
0: I mean, at at first it was you know difficult. Um, You know, this is pre treatment and, and everything. But now, no, I mean, I think you know, I think it's easy to have that conversation, right? It's like, hey, you know, how's it going? What's going on? You know, what's the next step? Or even you know, when she was going through radiation or even, you know, what's coming up in the upcoming months. um, You know, it's, it's easy to have that conversation. We never, you know, even before chemo, it was never difficult to have conversations. Right. Our relationship is is, is in a way where like, we're very like, it's weird. It's like, we're not like texting each other or, you know, constantly, you know, checking up on each other. But when we have conversations, we're like, it's a very open conversation. And like, Yeah, it's awesome. Just like the fact that, you know, we can just talk about anything if we wanted to.
2: Right. I would say with my brothers, I am open to telling them like what is going on with me. I don't feel like I have to be private with them. I have trust in my brothers and anything that I say, obviously, they're not going to like repeat back to other people. I have no problem telling them like, yeah, I'm going to have a mastectomy or yeah, I'm going to have my exchange surgery. In the next few months.
3: But what? Like emotionally too? Like emotionally being vulnerable oh, I to see. your brothers? Yeah.
2: I mean, for sure. Uh, that was tough uh, because I didn't want them to see me that way. I think no one really does, right? Like you don't want to show weakness. Right. And scare right. other people. Yeah. I think you know? during this whole experience, I've learned that I needed to be vulnerable. This experience has changed that for me
3: yeah and releasing that i think is such a healthy being able to release it and even just crying like that is a release even if you're not saying anything and yeah i agree
1: yeah and, and just to add to that when my wife and i went to visit her i think the second time you know we were very like i said we were you know trying to be very positive minded about this whole journey but we also made room for vulnerability right so i do remember You know, my sister came downstairs and we were talking and she just kind of just started crying. Um, And we just we allowed it to happen. You know, one thing that we had to understand is that we can't just be, you know, have, have a barrier or this shield of, of strength at all times, right? We, we got to we gotta show vulnerability, right? We got to show that we are humans with emotions, right? And especially when someone's going through this journey, right? You just want to provide that type of um, open door policy, right? You can talk to me about anything or you can express yourself in any way, whether anger, you know, sadness, whatever it is, right? Um, just getting emotions out there and being comfortable with who you're doing it with.
3: George, have you seen like a big change in, in Rosalina?
1: Since, you know... She completed the chemo and, and, and ration therapy, you know, fast forward to, you know, this year I've seen, you know, obviously through the journey, she, we saw not the same as Lena that we've we seen in the past, but fast forward to this year. And then I think that, you know, she mentioned before that she wants to try new things, you know, live in a more positive mindset, you know, live life to the fullest, right? Not stress over the little things. And I'm seeing that, right? I'm seeing that she's kind of, you know, like my brother said, opening up more. About her experience, but also, you know, not letting what happened stop her from doing things that she was doing before, right? Like dancing, right? And, and being being silly, being, you know, happy and, and, and laughing, right? So like, I'm happy that I'm seeing that because like I said in the beginning, right? She's a strong, you know, fierce person, doesn't like to lose, right? So the fact that she's here and she's taking control of, of her life, and try to do things that she has a passion for makes me happy
3: I love that. What is one moment that you will remember from this experience? I know you just mentioned like her being able to, you know, open up and be vulnerable and just cry to you, but is there another
1: moment? Yeah. So two moments, you know, that I would just never forget. And it's the first call where she told me that she had cancer and then, you know, the, the chemo treatment, you know, which, which was a, a tough experience for, for our brother and I, you know, for my family. But on the positive side, you know, all like the different milestones and, and the fact that like she kept fighting um, each, each of the way to achieve these milestones, like, I just never forget that. i just never forget that.
3: And Roberta, what are um, some moments or one moment that you'll just never forget about
0: this experience? Just like my brother mentioned the milestone, the fact that, you know, she went through the surgery, the chemo treatments, the radiation, me being there in person to witness the ringing of the bell you know, it was a moment that, you know, I still remember like it was yesterday, just being there in California and us, like my sister mentioned, it's not every day that we're all together. And it was just felt so good just to, to be there with her and and George. And and of course, Abby was there, but we were exploring, we're exploring California. We were bonding, We're laughing, you know, watching, I think probably we watched a scary movie or something, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it was just, And, and, you know, it just like, it just felt like old times and like, it was, it was awesome.
3: I love that. I, I, I feel the kind of the same way when it's like gangs all here, you know, gangs back, like the original gang, like that's like when I'm with my siblings, I feel that too. Like, and you could just be stupid and silly or like bring up things that I always like feel bad when, when I'm with my boyfriend or like, we're just, you know, going on like a tear on something that, you know he didn't know us when we were four or five years, six years old, you know? And it's just, you could just be silly and be just like your most like authentic self with these people. And I, I I love that. I'm glad that you guys got to experience that. I'm so glad, you know, bond that bonding time, especially after something so traumatic is is nice. What have you both learned from this experience? Is there anything that you can take away from, you know, Rosalina's? cancer diagnosis? Yeah, I,
1: I would say do not take life for granted, spend more time doing things that you that you love to do. And with the people that, that you love to do it with, gotta make the best of it, right? Live life to the fullest. Um, you know, things that you've been thinking about doing, you know, stop thinking about it, just do it, you know, prioritize your health with COVID. You know, some of us um, have fell off with that, but you know, get back to it and continue to prioritize your health. It's very important to get checkups, you know, blood work, this is a lot of information, right? No matter what the, in what age you are, right? You got to get checked up, take care of yourself. I
0: think it's the bottom line.
3: Roberta, what is one thing you've learned from this experience?
0: I'm going to pick it back what George was saying. Um, like, you know, don't take life for granted. Um, spend time with your friends and family. Make the effort. I think that's important because one thing is, you know, you spend time when, you know, you happen to be all around each other. But, you know, actually... You know, if you're far apart, make the time, make the trip, make the phone call, um, you know, let them know that you're thinking about them. And when you do eventually hang out with one another, you know, enjoy it because, you know, we're not going to, you know, it's it's not like when we were younger where, you, you know, you could spend time endless endlessly uh, with each other and you don't know when the last day is going to be. Um, and, you know, like George mentioned, you know, health health is very important. Um, get yourself checked. You know, um, that's something where like, you don't think about it, you know, especially being young. Um, and it's something where, you know, for me, like it's in the back of my mind, you know, Hey, let's get these things, you know, situated, um, you know, do something that you maybe thought about doing as George mentioned, um, do it. Um, and you know, I would say that, you know, I, I look up to my sister in terms of the things that she has done recently. And, you know, I myself have gone out and done things that I probably haven't would have never done, you know, maybe a couple of years ago. And, you know, just, yeah, it's it's like one of those things where, like, once it, you start realizing, wow, like how precious life is, that's when, you you know, things starts to click in terms of, you know, you start prioritizing what means more to you than than, you know, what it was before. Um, but yeah, definitely that is something where, you know, I'm going to continue doing and even looking out for my family as well, because that's something that's very important to me. And, you know, if I can help them in any shape or way, um, you know, I'm going to be there for them.
2: Yeah, I would definitely, there's two things I want to say. One thing is, you know, when I found out I had cancer. It's not that like I didn't think my brothers would be there, like I knew that they would, but it's it's really great to see that, you know, they they really had my back um throughout this whole experience. So, this was like the moment and the time that when I needed them the most and it was really nice for them to show up and I'm super thankful and grateful and I'll always remember that. And so I think also like you know <laughs> obviously no one wants to get cancer but I think like this experience if I have to like learn f- from something is that like it definitely like brought us closer and I think that we are able to be more vulnerable with each other um just because like how we grew up and and all of that like we tend to hide our feelings and um mask what we actually feel but now we're able to really open up with each other, which I think is really important. And I think it, it, um, took a, uh, a next step into our relationship. I would say the the second thing is, um, you know, I've always kind of had, like, like m- both my parents, obviously like we, we all, um, care for them and, and we, we try to, get them like th- the best health possible. But I definitely would say like with my mom, like a little, I'm a little bit more focused on her because there's, are there just things that she would say like, oh, I had this rash for like two weeks. And I say like, why didn't you go to the doctor? And she's like, oh no, it's fine. And it's like, no, it's, it's not fine. You need to go see the doctor. Or like more recently, it's like, you need to get a mammogram. Like every year you need to get a mammogram.
3: So, you know, cancer obviously is just hard enough for, you know, everyone in your family to deal with. Like, were there happy moments? I know you guys discussed, you guys got to be together after the the bell ringing and then had your week uh, in LA and then bringing Rosalina home. But like, any other happy moments?
0: The one that sticks out to me is her coming this past December for the holidays. And that was the first time she was coming and, and eventually she wanted to see family. I haven't I haven't seen her. So like, the only people that have seen her at that point was my brother, I, uh, my brother's wife, and my parents, and maybe like one cousin. But aside from that, no one else has has seen her. And we we surprised her. We surprised her. Uh, she had no idea. So I I believe it was George who picked them up from the airport. That's right, George picked them up from the airport, and we were hiding in in our living room. All everybody came. Everybody parked their cars far away. So
2: it was me, Brian and and Louie that George picked up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's right. It was Brian and and Louie and my sister. And she had no idea, no idea that we were there and we had a bunch of balloons. And it was like, it was like a mini party. It was like a welcome back when she walked through those doors and she went right into the kitchen, you know, that surprise and the emotion was priceless. And, you know, she was crying and we were all it was an emotional, but an exciting moment um, for everybody to see her. And, and yeah, that was just, it was just great. It was great to capture that moment. And also just throughout the whole week, we were spending time because of the holidays together. So that was something where, you know, it was kind of like a celebration. It's
2: so nice
3: of you guys to, to throw that for her.
2: I told Brian, I wanted to have Like a party. My parents and my brothers already like were planning that when Brian sent them a message, like, hey, Roslyn, what's the party? Like, oh, we we were already thinking about that. So it was really nice. Just like a regular party, you know? And I saw my cousins and I saw my parents and I saw my brothers. And it was it was just really nice.
3: A nice celebration. That sounds really nice. And George, any other Happy moments.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that she spoke about this in season one, I believe. Having Louis in her life during this process was was a blessing in disguise. He came into her life, you know, before all this happened, and it was just at the right time. And you know, just like I said before, just seeing this new version of that just blossom is another, you know, happy moment. We'll be here again when we celebrate, you know, when she's done with her therapy, right? And and we'll just keep celebrating these these milestones, right? This this is this not. You know, the hard part is over, but this is gonna continue on. So we'll be here and, and you know, she'll continue fighting.
3: Yeah. I love that you know that too. Like it just doesn't end because you know, radiation is finished. Like there's a whole other chapter that comes with after cancer, and I I love that you said that. Like it just doesn't end here. And um not a lot of people know that. And I thank you for saying that. Of course. And Thank you so much for, for coming on here and being vulnerable and honest about like having to deal with this and see, you know, your family member and your sister and like somebody you love so deeply have to go through this and watch and just on the sidelines. And I'm, I don't know what that's like. I mean, I went through it, but I don't know what that's like. And I'm glad that you guys both were able to come on and and, and share that experience. This isn't easy.
2: yeah I agree it's really great to hear like a different perspective of someone who's not actually going through the cancer diagnosis it's it's really important to also get that perspective especially since we're Latinos and it's something that not a lot of people talk about so thank you for coming on and thank you for representing our culture that's super important to keep that awareness going Thank you all for listening and supporting our podcast. Sharing our stories with you has been incredibly healing for both of us, and we hope it helps other women in their journeys through breast cancer.
3: Ladies, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and fellow breasties. Help us reach more women by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now on YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram at tyftspodcast and email us at tyftspodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, so shoot us a message. We will link any resources from the episode in our show notes.